the tft podcast i'm ryan that's matt 33 in the middle of los angeles that's and i am i'm 32 uh, in the middle of new york city and <laughs> we are discussing the new classic by iggy azalea are you excited matt i i i am excited actually i really i mean i know we don't do reviews and and that always dissuades us from talking about whether we like something or not but i really enjoyed uh listening to this album and i think there's there's a lot of discourse that that sort of seeks to problematize uh listening to what iggy azalea is doing and and what we participate in when we listen to it but i you know i don't know i i think that like uh i've i've learned not to sort of look askance at another person's at another person's good time and like uh, i had a good time listening to this uh to this record i don't know about you well and well yeah i i I agree and we are not alone because um the single uh fancy is the number one song in the country um right now uh, as of recording and uh he is also on the number two song in the country um the um uh uh problem by uh the notorious g-r-a-n-d-e and so uh uh, and so th- I think w- what's cool, and you know, in this um, this this uh, quarter of uh, of TFT, you know, we've been doing uh, current uh, current music, but most of what we've been doing is pretty. I mean, we, our our mission is kind of pop and indie pop, but we've been, uh, especially in the first kind of half of this quarter, the first eighth, um, when we were doing, um, well, all hail West Texas and, um, and Frankie Cosmos and perfect pussy, um, really leaning hard on the indie side on the relatively, um, small batch side of this. Um, and now we're swinging and we've done now, um, several things in the last few weeks, um, that are a bit more popular, uh, you know, the, um, the Tori Amos album uh, was in the top 10 on the Billboard. Um, St. Vincent, I don't know how it charted, but she was on Saturday Night Live. And now we're discussing, um, you know, the number one um, single, n- number one single and an album that uh, that has also charted in the top 10. And I think uh, on the hip hop uh, albums um, was uh, well, hit number one. So this is a massively popular song. And it's also inspired, um, you know, Many, um, many, many YouTube uh, parodies and tributes. The one I saw today was um, about being pregnant, um, and I'm sure I will see another one on Facebook tomorrow. Within two weeks, she will have been on Jimmy Fallon and will have done it with The Roots. Um, and so this is happening. <laughs> this is, you know, we're, we actually um, uh, are, uh, you know, and this, uh, the, the single's been on my radar for a, a few weeks, and um, I listened to the album first a few, a few weeks ago, but I feel like we're actually... This is a rare moment, I, almost only paralleled by us discussing um, Lord right around when Royals was blowing up. Sure, um, you know one of the uh, our few and and our discuss discussion of Beyonce by Beyonce. Sure, um, you know a, a moment of us kind of really where. Um, where where there's uh, you know picking something that's um, kind of at the center of the pop land. So so let me I, ask you something, Ryan. Uh, sure. This this Iggy Azalea is is she an indie band? um yeah well you know i think that it's a and she has in her in the narrative 
Um, I mean, so there's there's two ways to answer this question, right? Um, so kind of you know zooming into our um, you know multi multi dimensional matrix of um, of of realness, right? I imagine like that we put on these like virtual reality headsets uh-huh. and kind of zoom through this hyperspace to try to um, as as we uh, analyze the space. That, that that's what that's how we do what we do. FYI, <laughs> um, just to take you all under the hood uh, that we're in this kind of like it's like Minority Report under the yeah exactly under the virtual reality helmet yeah um and so let me just let me just put it on and uh and and open it open it up and so i think that on one dimension on one kind of vector um you know this is very much a um a a big budget major label um pop uh, album in that um you know it both it sounds great it sounds um sounds like you know very much um, current mainstream hip hop and R and B, um, and is has been accompanied by a really professional kind of um, well timed um, publicity and marketing campaign. Um, but on on the other hand, um, there's a piece of, and again, this is interesting that a big piece of um, the marketing and to an extent. Um, you know, reality is that there is as a narrative that um, follows a very um, a very strong kind of um, legitimating narrative of, of indiness, uh, which is and there's two pieces of kind of Iggy's narrative of indiness, um, and so one is her coming from Australia to um, Miami um, at the age of 16, uh, um, ostensibly on um, a tourist visa, and then staying without telling her parents that she was going to stay um, and working as a housekeeper. Um, and her whole plan was um, to make it in the rap game, to basically get get her GED, to work, to make connections, and become um a um a rap star um and so that kind of there there's an element of that of even though the object is to become a star in a in a mass um you know uh, a mass mass um genre and kind of a you know a pop star or a hip-hop star um at the same time there's a tremendous amount of doing it herself like you know that uh th- th- it was not a label a and r that was scrubbing those floors for her um and so at least and again this is uh part of the narrative and then there's another part of this narrative of after she had um you know fast forward about Oh, I'd say four or five years um, to when she had made some connections um, in uh, the rap scene in Atlanta and in other cities um, and had, um, you know, gotten the attention of uh, rapper T.I., um, a, mem- a member of the Dungeon family, which is a uh, uh, Atlanta based, um, I think, production crew uh, team that's affiliated with Outkast um, that, you know, that then she kind of. And that I first heard of her about I think it was about three years ago, um, around when um, the what ignorant art mixtape was out, um, and and there was this um, you know, a bit of a you know, a music video circulates, a single circulates, and then she kind of disappears and stalls out. And this kind of narrative, I mean, so if there's one narrative of indiness that's about kind of doing it yourself and working hard, um, another is getting screwed over by. Um, you know, by a label, either just by accident or by being unwilling to kind of, um, you know, give in to certain demands. Um, 
and so that there are these two pieces of um, of of kind of pulling herself up by her Louboutin straps uh, and then um, and then um, being kind of passed over in the first run of major label churn and kind of continuing to push through that, that even though that this now what has come to us um, is very well much targeted and crafted as being a, um, a pop album, um, that there are these two nuggets of indiness. Hmm. Um, that are that are in the narrative and so i think it is there to an extent yeah i'm i'm sort of uh i mean i right like i'm i'm taken by in uh in don't need y'all which is the i think the second track on the on the album which is you know which is uh uh like fairly typical of its of its type right the the claim that like i'm um uh you know, I don't know. I'm self-made. You didn't help me when uh, when I was coming up or when I was down and trying to come up. And uh, and now you want to uh, now you want to act like you know me. And uh, you know what? Fuck you all. Right. Um, this the specific way it's phrased in the hook is um, I did all this on my own. Right. Uh, and And that seems to me to be a nugget of indiness or like a claim about indiness, right? Like I did all this on my own. Like it wasn't the A&R guy scrubbing the floor. I did all this on my own. Um, and, and I, I think that's an interesting, I think it's, uh, an interesting claim, right? Like, because what does all, what is all this, you know, uh, is it being a model, you know, is it right? Is it the, you know, particular confluence of genetic gifts that that, you know, make you desirable in that market? Is it the uh, uh, is it the the writing? Is it the production? Right. Is like, it the being born? Right. <laughs> I don't need y'all anyway. I'm a self self replicating uh, sequence of DNA. Right. Exactly. And like like, uh, you know, um, so it's uh you know I don't know so it's so it's an interesting claim I mean it's it's uh I, I of course I was being an asshole when I asked you whether Iggy Azalea is an indie band but I think she's I think that the idea of independence or rather the idea of autonomy right is one that that sort of goes uh is is a concern that sort of weaves its way um weaves its way through the music uh, autonomy and agency and certainly right like um certainly uh in some of the discourse around cultural appropriation that that attends this like the idea of agency of sort of 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 um and uh, of sort of faking you know fake not fake not having agency right like uh like trying to front like you're trying to front like like you're um, like you're oppressed, right? Like it's, it's one thing to be no money, no family, 16 in the middle of Miami, but like, that's, that's only true for certain definitions of no. Right. Um, well, right. And it's also, well, and it's also the, the definitions of certain, even definitions of the middle of Miami. Right. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's interesting, um, that, um, I've been through parts of the um, the middle of Miami, um, and and uh, and and I mean I'm talking about neighborhoods like Upalaka uh, and uh, neighborhoods like uh, Hialeah, which I don't think is where um, uh, you know I mean I, but, and I've also been to North Miami Beach and Aventura and South Beach. Um, Miami is a big place. 
actually, I mean, in some ways, the middle of Miami. I mean, like, it, you know, in some ways, there's, there's, um, it, it's an interesting claim to be from the middle of Miami, um, because I feel like that means kind of that's a much more notional middle of Miami than a the kind of actually. Um, you know, the, the Miami that is the center of Miami, um, based hip hop. And there's a song we, I actually have made, um, we'll put in the show notes, a, um, a supplementary, um, so, uh, playlist for, um, Igazalia. And there's a song, um, that, um, that I really like that I actually, uh, discovered while driving around, um, Miami in 2007. So around the time when Iggy Azalea just arrived, um, a song that was basically a local song at the time called Miami Clap. Um, and it features, uh, Pitbull, who at the time, um, was primarily, <laughs> Um, a rapper rather than the kind of more um, pop singer that he is now. I'm um, kind of uh, cross genre pop R and B uh, singer, um, and 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 it lays out the many neighborhoods of the middle, um, the uh, of of the middle of Miami. Um, <laughs> and and again, it's um, and so I think that the um, and and so I think that. Even just listening to that depiction of the middle of Miami um, with um, the the um, with uh, Iggy's depiction is something that I think I think raises concern and is related to a lot of this this concern around well what does it you know I guess I guess that there is a a uh, urge or an impulse to hear if if you kind of sit and think about well she says you know in work she says. You know, walk a mile in these Louboutins, but they don't wear these shits where I'm from. Uh-huh. I'm not hating. I'm just telling you. I'm trying to let you know what the fuck I've been through. Right? And she's talking about, like, all of the things that she's been through. And I think that there is a – right now in some of the critical discourse, there's a kind of colla- – um, in, 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 uh, on behalf of some gatekeepers, a kind of, in so many words, um, a bit of a Iggy Azalea check your privilege. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. I guess there's an interesting thing. I think that there's, you know, in some ways that sh- she's from, you know, Iggy Azalea is from Australia, the dirtiest south of them all. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, <laughs> um, right? Like that, um, I think that, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about, this is like a hard I, I don't know if we have I mean so in 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 much the same way that we don't we didn't necessarily know how to talk about and uh or not we but that di- when discourse uh, about lord kind of turned to well is there a something racially problematic in royals um like there is not a um attempt to kind of think about you know lord's position as a new zealander and the position of a of new zealand within the kind of you know kind of global production and consumption of pop music um similarly um you know and I, i'm not actually um you know in some ways australia in the world and the, and the kind of uh, australia in the global political economy is not something i know a lot about but it's an interesting case right where you know australia is um 
you know, is a developed country, but is also a country that has tremendous amounts of, um, of frontier, um, tremendous amounts of, um, you know, I would understand, um, inequality. Um, I I would actually love to, we have some Australian listeners and so I don't want to mischaracterize this, um, at all, but I think that, you know, I think that this is, I think there's a temptation to give in to a um, an oppression Olympics and say, well, you're from Australia, so this is not um, struggle, and that you know your your um, challenge of no fun, no money, no family, sixteen in the middle of Miami, were because you chose, um, you know that uh, in fact, you know. Plymouth Rock did not. You actually did land on Plymouth Rock, um, Iggy Azalea. Yeah, and um, and and so I guess that there is this interesting. There's this question of can you? What does it mean to have um, kind of you? Know, can you be aware of of? challenge and effort and struggle even from a place of of privilege um and what is what is interesting there right so i guess i guess that's you know um you know the question that i have of if there is this kind of challenge in kind of understanding this you know what is what else is kind of um and you were kind of talking about this um a little bit um in terms of this kind of discourse of independence i mean how does this kind of discourse i think the other discourse is about kind of effort and labor um and and work and kind of and and i don't know um is there anything in there that, that strikes you as being interesting it's funny like my so my main problem <laughs> my main problem uh it, um actually evinces and and this reaction is actually going to partake in uh the weakness that i'm going to identify in this kind of critical discourse um my problem with a lot of the is Lord racist discourse is is not that it's it's right or wrong. Um, it has nothing to do with the the sort of truth or strength uh, or sort of soundness of the argument. Um, it has to do with with it's being a conversation stopper, right? It's it, it's a way of sort of shutting down. It's a way of objecting on, as it were, procedural grounds. Uh, to to a, a bit of to a, uh, a an object to a uh, to a work of art right and in doing so not to have to uh, not to have to engage with it uh, like in the legal system when something is ruled inadmissible because it wasn't obtained through proper procedure by the police the claim is essentially that that Lord is is inadmissible culturally somehow or like morally inadmissible culturally somehow and and the problem with that to me is that it it doesn't um, you know, it doesn't actually engage with um, with the actual work, but kind of sidetracks you into a discourse about uh, into a discourse about fairness um, and into an identity political discourse, which I am against because it, an identity political discourse about uh, the right to sort of use the, the right to access certain signifiers um, because it, it inevitably um, 
must have recourse to a kind of essentialism that I think is politically retrograde, that I think actually, if you were to examine, is not uh, in the interest of the politically progressive aims of of the commentator, right? To say yeah. that to say that only certain people have access to certain signifiers um, is to, in a certain sense, ghettoize them. But it's yeah. it's also to say that um, it's also to say that. They are those people who can access those signifiers, whether it's uh, whether it's like black people in America or whether it's, you know, uh, men or women or whether it's I mean, whatever, whatever the salient cleavage is uh, that you're arguing Lord or Iggy Azalea or whoever is not on the right side of um, you're making an essentialist claim about them, that there's something really different. There's something intrinsically different about them because they have access to the, you know, to the good signifiers and Lord or Iggy Azalea or whoever does not not or should not um, right. have access or, or take access. Now, I just want to point out yeah, go ahead, go <laughs> what ahead. I just did, right? Which is sidetrack us into a discourse of, uh, into a procedural discourse rather than engaging uh, with the actual question well, so, of whether the- Lord is racist. But I'm just going to say they did it first. But so I want to kind of get, get in on this on um, Iggy Azalea, and we can circle back to Lord because um, I think that they are there's interesting parallels and and contrasts. I think that why this comes up so saliently with Iggy Azalea is that in um, you know that a lot of the discourse the discourse around Iggy Azalea. So there's one that's about kind of a claim to struggle and kind of um, difficulty and hardship as a source of legitimacy. Um, but then there's a, another piece that is sometimes discussed in tandem and sometimes um, is, is separate, which is in the um, – what is described as her flow or her voice, the way in, the, the way in which her um, voice is used um, – as a um, as as an instrument, as a technical instrument in in rapping, right? That and I'm trying to um, and I think that this is a site of a lot of of discussion because and you know I'm going to make the claim that I think she's a um, a good rapper, right? I think that. Um, yeah, and that, that actually, that's even in some of the detractors, like the piece from The Guardian, which we'll link in the show notes, even some of the detractors uh, point to certain technical uh, uh, qualities of the rap and, and say that they're, they're admirable or that they're accomplished. Well, and the, well, I think it's interesting because some – well, and then I, I forget if it was The Guardian one or it was another one that, um, that argue – I think there might be another one, um, another piece or some discourse that says that describes uh, her as being overworked, right? So she's been work, work, working on her shit, but she should have worked less, or not that she should have worked less, but that you that there's this interesting myth, and it also kind of um, relates a little bit to this kind of possibly troubling um, essentialism that that if rap is something that you don't have to work on, or that people who that uh, that that if to be allowed to rap, uh, only people who don't have to work at, uh, at rap should be allowed to rap. Actually, diminishes um, diminishes it uh, substantially because um, it says, "Well, this isn't something that's difficult. It's just something that um, is <laughs> ingrained." And and I feel like that doesn't seem that that seems. Um, 
I think that 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 seems to possibly lose something that's powerful about the art form. I think that, that the, there's also kind of an kind of an anti-feminist uh, thing yes. embedded in there. As uh, you know, you're trying too hard, girl. Right? As though as though her ambition or you know her uh, aggressiveness in in pursuing a goal is somehow um, uh, you know embarrassing or unfeminine or unattractive, right? No, I think that's I think that that's absolutely right. And so there's kind of this um, there's a in the discourse of labeling her as being, you know, as being not real or as being trying too hard um, and as just being a just a pop star who happens to rap um, or a. or or what or a model who happens to rap which uh, most of the like almost most re- many reviews that you read will introduce her as as model slash rapper or model slash pop star um and you know that again it's really it's it's interesting because um you know as you listen through you know the album you know from kind of um the first track onwards um and really throughout, um, but especially in the first couple of tracks in in Don't Need Y'all, in 100, in um, in Change Your Life, uh, in Work, which I think was one of the first songs that was released from this batch. Um, there's really, um, and and I think that there's um, the rapping is really impressive, and this is in um, you know in the speed, so in the actual um, the the um, the meter, it's uh, metrically sophisticated. Um, there is um, interesting uh, rhymes, uh, like the the rhyme pattern. Um, there is um, you know there's kind of a, a, hu- a good. I, I like a lot of the. Um, uh, imagery, uh, the sense of humor. I liked, um, you know, the uh, giving blowjobs for Lub- Valley to- Valley girls giving blowjobs for Louboutin. What do you call that? Head over heel. Here's he- head over heels. You know, she's here all week, right? She's a little bit of a kind of um, uh, cheesy stand-up, um, but but in, in almost in the matter of of kind of some of Lil Wayne's silliest puns and jokes, um, and what I kind of um, see and and heard, um, and I think that um, in all of these, um, I heard a lot of elements of um, again, she you know is someone she's what twenty. Um, I guess she, I guess she just turned 24. Um, and so what I really hear are, um, in the way in which she raps and kind of does these well are, um, a lot of kind of like from, you know, about 2000. So when she would have been 10, um, onward, uh, hip hop. And so, you know, kind of 2000, um, one of the big, and you know that from the late '90s, maybe '98, '99, and then kind of cresting in the early 2000s was the ascendance of Southern hip hop, um, rooted largely in Atlanta, um, and to an extent with some other regional cities, and Houston being another um, big one, and as I was mentioning earlier, Miami being another, and um, with then smatterings of 
kind of other major stars from um, other cities kind of getting incorporated into that mainstream. So these are artists like um, T.I., like Ludacris, um, like UGK, uh, are kind of central to the sound that I hear. And there are definitely, um, you know, verses on, um, on, on Change Your Life um, on, and on work uh, and passages that where I can hear elements of, um, of one of these rappers or another. Um, and then uh, in addition to explicit allusions to, um, to rappers of this group or to Jay-Z or to Nas or to Notorious B.I.G. And there's a lot of really kind of deep, you know, care for, um, you know, at least this period of, um, of, of hip hop and, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and then also um, a, a real, really kind of skill at, uh, of, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of, um, you know, kind of creative or productive appropriation of through, through bricolage, um, uh, accomplishing that, but really accomplishing that through, um, what's interesting is, you know, in contrast to like girl talk, who is engaging in, you know, who is actually is that she's very similar to girl talk, right? Girl talk uh, also, uh, you know, DJ Greg Gillis um, came to prominence around this same, you know, he actually um, you know, burst onto the kind of mainstream uh, consciousness around the same time as Iggy, Iggy landed in Miami, um, and. Uh, also was very fond of this era of hip hop and made his name by mashing up and cutting up pieces of all of the artists that I've mentioned uh, with other pre, uh, pop songs and indie songs into these um, really synthetic pieces. And in some ways, part of what's really cool about um, Iggy Azalea is that she's doing that with her voice um, and, and that, sh- and, and that, you know, there are many voices here um, and, and yet she is kind of um, engaging in this. And so I think that there's actually a tremendous amount of skill and a tremendous amount of uh, creativity. And yet, because, you know, what's interesting is uh, about a voice is that even though it's an instrument and a tool that can be used for um, in a variety of ways for expression and for, you know, that, you know, there's yeah. many different disciplines that use your voices um, uh, uh, creatively yet somehow bec- when she is doing this, um, it's like, well, no, you can't do that because you don't actually talk like that. Right. But Daniel day Lewis, you know, he doesn't go around talking, I'm an oil man like no but daniel delos isn't an oil man so he's totally really appropriating the oil man tradition yeah i'm sorry Um, you know what and and like the subaltern uh culture of oil men right (laughs) are outraged that you know the daniel delos right like let me propose you know let me propose a um like an alternative uh, narrativization, right, of, of Iggy Azalea. Because, right, like, what if, if she's um, imitating Black Southern, imitating Black Southern rap? And that is, right, that's like, uh, that's, that's the thing, like, imitation, right? It's not authentic. It's an imitation. Um, th- then, then what, why would she be doing that? Well, for commercial reasons, for popularity, right? Because of a, a sort of, uh, uh, a sort of crass calculation of what would be 
um, of what would be commercially popular, right? Something like that. But I, so that that seems to be the kind of the 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 accusation, right? That this is right. that this this sort of micro oppression of you know using the forbidden signifiers, right? Is um, has to do with. Uh, um, has to do with uh, exploitation, right? Economic exploitation of a uh, of an oppressed of the music of an oppressed people, and by extension of the oppressed people for you know um, for commercial gain by a blonde Australian model who's white. Um, I mean, let me let me propose just an alternative hypothetical narrativization. I'm not saying that this is right. I'm saying that this is plausible, right? Iggy Azalea is ten. She's coming of age music. Like that's when you start. Living listening to music and being aware of the popularity of things or you know i don't know when you hit like tween and early teen right and and this is the this is the popular music right like this right. is this music is ascendant and she's you know a member of a global mainstream pop culture of which hip hop is one of the you know most predominant expressions right yep. and and you you <laughs> you know i don't know i think when i think you trade away some of your you know I think you trade away once you're like a globally dominant cultural force. I think you trade away some of your ability to like, uh, you know, I don't know, to keep it all for yourself or, or for certain people. Right. And and uh, the way I grew up sort of listening to. Uh, listening to the the female singer songwriters of the early '90s, she grew up listening to the the American Southern rap of the early 2000s, and and so these are these are quite you know comes by quite honestly these are her influences right this is the music that that is sort of authoritative for her at that moment of like becoming aware of of music you know um, right right like uh, Iggy Azalea. Is to Ti's Rubber Band Man as you uh, is to um, uh, Tori Amos's Cornflake Girl. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's that's like. Uh, uh yeah yeah and then and then so what what happens is like I was so excited by by your point about the voice because I think that's I think that's fascinating right the idea the idea is that that um your voice is capable of so much more than just speech and then just speech in the way that you are uh just speech in the way that you are uh that that you speak in your your everyday your everyday life right this right. is something that my that my sort of uh uh really great teacher john hollander uh, always used to say he he would talk about um he would talk about uh, sound uh, in poetry and sort of experiencing experiencing the sound of poems and poems not just as a um, not just as as an arrangement of meanings or as an arrangement of meanings in a certain format, but as an experience of a flow of sounds and how the particular flow of sounds uh, contributed to the meaning and and in his in his formulation, uh, really great poems are poems where sort of all these all these pistons are firing right like where the the manifest uh, meaning of the poem, where the sort of metaphorical meaning of the poem, where the structure in terms of things like line length and rhythm and rhyme, and where uh, where the the organization of phonological incident all were were firing and. 
And um, so in, in, the, in the course of giving, uh, we're all contributing to, uh, we're all pulling in a single direction, just to finish that thought. Uh, in the course of explaining this, he would make all kinds of sounds uh, that were not included in English, right? Like some clicks or pops, you know, or certain kind of like nasal sounds. And it was, it was like, it, it was bizarre to see uh, this eminent scholar who by this point was an elderly, and it must be said, slightly infirm. Uh, uh, older man, right? Make weird sounds in front of a in front of a room of of undergrads or graduate students, right? Like and right. and make the make the point that the continuum of sound or the continuum of of uh, let's call it voice practice, right? Um, is f- runs a far greater gamut than the small, uh, you know, than the small um, uh, continuum along that the small sort of subset of those that that we consider uh legitimate uh as far as like uh linguistic signification um is concerned and and it strikes me that it's i you know it strikes me that like you know the voice is capable of uh is capable of of so much more and not just that like it can make uh, we, we can do accents or we can sort of say different words than the words that we normally say in our lives, or we can sort of speak in another person's dialect, but like, um, you know, it's, it's, you can make your voice sort of deeper or, or higher or shriller or more nasal or, or less nasal. Right. And a lot of these things, a lot of these things sort of go to, uh, go to identity and sort of authenticity. I think because, you know, we communicate most by speaking, right. I think because it's, it's a, a measure of who I am because it's a measure of how I talk about myself and the world and, and you and everything and, and right. Um, but that like, uh, you know, that, that, that why, why shouldn't, you know, why, why shouldn't the, the, uh, the full range of that be available to, uh, be available to Iggy Azalea. Now, don't get me wrong. I feel like, I feel like we're, we're maybe getting a little too excited about this as a reaction to the, as a reaction to some of the negative coverage in the press. Um, I wouldn't call this necessarily a politically progressive record. I don't think that's part of its project. Right. Um, no, but, but but I think we're sort of leaning in that in that uh, direction j- just to push against um, some of the uh, just to push against some of the criticisms that have been leveled at, at Iggy Azalea and at this record and at the way she sounds and at the words she uses. Right, like one of the things is uh, that that I've read and I forget whether it was in in Slater and the Guardian, but it's like it's not a coherent system of slang. Right, she uses slang from different dialects and different cities, you know, and sort of uh, and sort of mashes them up. Uh, but uh, she but, even talks about crumpets at one point like, <laughs> come on come on shit or get off the pot are you australian or aren't you <laughs> um yeah yeah that this this represents my my point was i think the argument could be made that this represents what you know what is called a strong what the anxiety of influence called a strong misreading right <laughs> uh of of the of a, a number of cultural traditions um and and sort of incorporating them incorporating them into into a, a sort of legitimate personal expression that that reflects an authentic personal um an authentic personal experience yeah. right and i think what's interesting and i think that what is then interesting and challenging with respect to 
this is that part of an authentic experience of of hip hop and kind of internalizing hip hop is wanting to make money um and so right that you know because you're saying well this can be problematic if it's related to exploitation to economic exploitation and you know um the hook for work is i've been up all night trying to get that rich i've been work 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 working on my shit um and i think that that's what's interesting is that that kind of idea of you know getting that rich or and even like through work and through labor of some kind whether it's on the craft whether it's um you know again her kind of scrubbing floors um whether it's um you know that there that there's actually a lot of kind of you know the the um the the discourse of work uh work and getting paper um getting money um and and then the the trap the the kind of um material um rewards of that um are are also central to hip hop right and so i think that that is complicates it um in an interesting way right this is the thing this is the thing that lord was talking about in royals right. by the way this sort of uncritical this sort of uncritical embrace of of capitalism for you know and enriching oneself right it's like i've been you know uh i've been up all night trying to organize collective action for the <laughs> right trying to organize collective action for the betterment of the entire community of the whole middle of miami you know uh right. and and it's sort of when it's the uh, when it's the uncritical em- embrace of of black capitalism it's it's uh it's liberating somehow and when it's a white girl doing it it's it's politically retrograde right or it's it's sort of bad appropriation or it's uh you know right one one is is mookie doing the right thing right, right. and the and the other is um uh the, the other is sort of rubbing your privilege in everybody's face right Right, right. No, I, I think it is actually interesting because part of our reading of um, Royals is that part of the everybody um, and the every song in Royals are the kind of, um, you know, the peer groups, the, the kind of cool kids that um, Lord is is possibly excluded from. And so I kind of, again, we were talking about them in relation to each other. I kind of envision them almost as as I was kind of thinking about them in relationship to each other, even though, you know, they, you know one is from Australia, one is from New Zealand. I kind of like, I kept, uh, um, you know, in, envisioning the um, current um, franchise of... Um, of of X Men movies, right? With uh, you know, I I, I kind of view. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I I kind of think that Lord is Professor X, is young Professor X, and Iggy Azalea is Magneto, um, and uh-huh. that you know, and and that you know, they have this kind of you know that they have they're equally powerful, and they're they're kind of these these pop frenemies on different um on on uh different um uh areas of this kind of right because they're both um they're both pop mutants right in that um because they're kind of experiencing um this kind of mainstream culture and pop music culture from a distance um that in some ways that distanciation um allows for 
some of that space for strong misreading. Um, and they both have these kinds of interesting, there's interesting um, acts of engaging with a similar culture um, in, in, in equally strong ways, but in different polarities. Um, and, and so, um, and, you know, right now they are actually um, kind of, there's a potential for, um, for kind of, uh, being on the same page, and there have been press about, um, I think, Lord getting um, Iggy Azalea's back over the press being unfair to her. Um, but then there are other instances of, uh, you know, Iggy talking shit on Lord. But anyhow, there, there's a whole, you know, I kind of have this read of them of being these two kinds of strong and potentially allied, but also potentially divergent um, super uh, super heroines. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um I want to also talk so I think in terms of thinking about this this discourse about kind of materialism in in hip hop I think there's another thing that's less clearly discussed um in the discourse on Iggy Azalea um and is you know the part that the 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 era of hip hop that she is um, the era and and kind of sub genre of hip hop that she's kind of engaging with the most is kind of southern hip hop, um, primarily southern hip hop of the two thousands, um, as well as some kind of current hip hop sounds um, that we can maybe talk about a little bit. Um, is already discussed by like hip hop fans is kind of by kind of hip hop purists as being already after the point at which hip hop was dead. Right. So that there is, um, there are some hip hop fans who, um, you know, claim that, you know, past like the, you know, after like 94 or 95, there's like no real hip hop. Right. And that the, everything is really, and really look back to this, you know, the a golden age of, you know, let's say, 88 through 93 or so. Um, and I think that what's interesting then is that if, you know, Iggy Azalea is kind of claiming to be making a new classic and yet her new classic is of a time, uh, which is already somewhat contested and, and kind of thought to be, um, a, of a, of a, um, by even fans of the form, um, a time in, in decline. Right. And I I think it's really interesting that there's a line in fancy where she says, um, rooftop, like we're bringing 88 back. Um, and that's a direct reference to a line in a song by Nas, um, and what's interesting though, this is a song by Nas, um, from a album, um, that's I believe like a 2002 album, which is like Nas's sixth album. And it's kind of also considered in a kind of low period Nas, um, and not, you know, far distance from his, you know, um, 1994, um, classic, uh, Illmatic, right. Which has turned 20 this year. (laughs) Um, and is much more in that kind of range of kind of a golden age of, um, of hip hop. Right. So really rather than bringing 88 back, she's really bringing 2002 back, um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and the, the kinds of things that are happening in 2002, um, and that, that kind of post, 
Um, and you know, and that you know, some of the it's it's almost the post bling era, right? That 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 in like you know, I was talking about kind of the a shift in the center of gravity to the south in the late '90s, and I think this was kind of like the rise of Cash Money Records, um, and you know that you know, and the song Bling Bling, um, and a focus on kind of more and more on on Bentleys and diamonds, um, and and all of the things that would eventually um, you know be part of um, of Lord's Laundry List. <laughs> Lord, that's, that's nice and alliterative, Lord's Laundry List. I do what I can. <laughs> to, to, uh, yeah, in, in the scope of vocal practice, of, uh, of voice practice. I'm, I'm, should, we, should we dig into to some lyrics? Should, should we, we talk actually, about a song? <laughs> yeah, we, haven't, we actually haven't gotten into, um, uh, we actually haven't gotten in, into these. And, and maybe, like, I'm, I, there's a lot of, uh, there, there's a lot of good places to go. I think Don't Need Y'all is interesting. I think 100 is interesting. I think that New Bitch is interesting and work, but, but maybe we should start with Fancy, right? Uh, uh, so, yeah? yeah? Yes. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, on board. I'm glad you agree. All right, first things first, she's the realist. Um, that's, uh, I mean, that's an interesting... Uh, uh, that's an interesting claim uh, to start uh, to start with, right? Like, and and I think that it it imagines um, it imagines an anterior utterance, right? That that the song is responding to uh, that it implies this that that before the song began, um, someone accused her of not being the realist. You know, that is to say, why would why would it be necessary to make that claim? Uh, right up front, if it weren't polemical, right? If it weren't uh, in response to a uh, a counterclaim, uh, a previously stated counterclaim that you are not, uh, in fact, the realist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I, but also, so I think there's another important thing here is that. Um, there's another really important usage of first things first. So, um, uh, and it's on the song One More Chance by the Notorious B.I.G., which starts, first things first, I, Papa, freaks all the honeys, dummies, playboy bunnies, those wanting money. Um, and so, and, and uh, so I think that there's also, I mean, again, there's, uh, so on the one hand, it's functioning in its own right, um, but there are the, – right? So in some ways – but she is also – there are – there's another way to read this, right? There's also this interesting loop that's being set up, right? So by having – by saying first things first and having that first thing be a reference to Biggie saying that first things first, like nothing is first and everything is first, right? So the first thing that's first is Biggie saying first things first. Um, and so it's this interesting – like, and I think what's interesting is that that level of even there's a lot of ways to take this. Like, you know, referencing a Biggie line um, is something Biggie did a lot, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the, uh, and 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 throughout kind of the tradition of hip hop of kind of borrowing and recontextualizing lyrically is is there, right? So that um, it, I think that there's actually a lot that is. You know, 
Um, you know, th- there's a lot of other ways that a lot of preludes that would um, have the same um, kind of meaning as first things first, um, but that then doing it in that way then also um, links it to a broader, um, you know, a broader set of meanings as well. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. And sort of I, I think it, it ties into our earlier reading about uh, about sort of bricolage and about uh, about misreading or about a sort of a, a confluence or a new synthesis of of readings, right? Like and and sort of first things the the trope of first things first, um, and the uh, and and you know the reference to murder business and and uh, right and and so um so okay so so moving on. Uh, you know, I don't know. You should want a bad bitch like this. Drop it low, pick it up just like this. Cup of Ace, cup of Goose, cup of Chris. High heels, something worth half a ticket on my wrist, right? And we've moved, we've moved into to different territory, right? This second, you know, I don't know, quatrain, right? <laughs> this second sort of, uh, this second set of of um, of four lines is about. Uh, what is about sort of desirability and the and the good life right and right. then and then the third the third quatrain um well uh, it's kind of split into two couplets but like uh you know um taking all the liquor straight never chase that and then rooftop like we bring an 88 back which rap genius tells me is a reference um that's the Nas reference I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. right, right, exactly. Okay, there it is. Yeah, and and um, but but sort of in in the context of of the song, sort of you, if you take it at at face value, um, you know, uh, this is this is about sort of going hard, right? This is about sort of lifestyle, you know. So so it's uh, uh, right, like sort of hard drinking and and. Um, uh, you know, hard drinking and sort of, uh, uh, sort of hard partying, like champagne spilling. You should taste that. Uh, you mean it's about gold teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball grounds, trashing a hotel room. <laughs> well, it is, it is a little bit right. Like that is to say the first, um, the first four lines telegraph or, or sort of establish legitimacy or try to establish legitimacy uh, in terms of a hip hop discourse already extant. Right. Mm-hmm. The second um, talk about uh, talk about sort of personal sort of personal desirability and the desirability of luxury, um, you know, like an expensive bracelet and and. Uh, and all that, and then the third uh, stanza is about uh, is about behavior, right? So it's it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like I am the realist. You look at me and think I'm the realist, and I act like the realist. Are the are the sort of three are the sort of three aspects of that claim that that sort of emerge in the. Uh, you know, in, in the first verse. Um, and so then, and then would, and then uh, what I, to then kind of lead that to the course, then in some ways, this is setting out a, um, almost a theory of fanciness. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so, so this is, I mean, so this is interesting, right? Like I'm so fancy. You already know I'm in the fast lane from LA to, from LA to Tokyo. Right. And, and I guess they are, um, 
you know, I, I mean, I guess it's it's sort of uh, it's international, but like I think L.A. and Tokyo, uh, uh, I think L.A. and Tokyo are are sort of important because they're like, I don't know, because they're both sort of expensive cities, right? Like, uh, they're they're both they're both sort of associated with a high level of wealth. Um, uh, a high level of wealth and luxury. Uh, but it's not, I don't know. It's not, it's not New York, right? Like high, a high level of wealth and luxury, but also a, a kind of, um, a kind of frivolity, right? Like New York to London would be a different, uh, would be, well, a di- would, be, would have a different valence, right? Well, well, right. I think that why it's different. New York to London would mean, if you were saying I'm so fancy and then we're like New York to London, I would imagine kind of like frilly shirts and or like New York to Paris or something like that. I would imagine kind of that kind of fanciness is aristocratic, right? Whereas the fanciness from L.A. to Tokyo um, is futuristic. It's, um, yeah, it's futuristic. I think it's also slightly more frivolous or, or slightly less culturally um, – makes makes slightly less claim for its sort of its sort of own cultural import right uh it it speaks to luxury rather than to um to sort of primacy right uh the the uh the new york to paris access or the gossip girl access right is uh um is about being uh is about being aristocratic um the la to tokyo access is about being uh um wealthy right is is about having a good time rather than rather than the serious rather than the serious business of of sort of being in in charge of of production right other than the production of all movies and a tremendous amount of music yeah <laughs> well i mean right i think that that's like an interesting thing though that new york is very concerned new york the new york paris London access is very concerned with, yes, this is where serious, this is the serious place of, you know, the seat of power, right? And, and, you know, there's, you know, so much is said about that in Gossip Girl that almost you think that there's a little bit of, well, wait, if you're telling, if you're asserting this so much, is this, is this true? And so that if there is a stereotype about frivolity in the, um, you know, in the, um, LA to Tokyo axis, there is actually, in some ways, a flip side of that is although there is, uh, you know, it's that the LA to Tokyo access is the kind of cultural powerhouse that is like in, not concerned with trying too hard. Um, and because, like, I mean, I associate, I mean, you know, LA with, you know, the kind of tremendous amount of kind of production of, um, of, of cultural um, power and kind of, you know, mass media. Um, and it's, you know, I think important that after her stint around, around the South, um, you know, Iggy Azalea did relocate to LA. Um, and I think in Tokyo and kind of, you know, Japanese culture, um, I associate with a lot of kind of cutting edge of, of fashion, um, and, you know, interesting reappropriation of, of aesthetic identity, right? So that I think that, I, I think that you're right that there is a less, less kind of sense of self seriousness, but that, that may itself, that doesn't necessarily, even though there's a surface level frivolity, there's also a sense of kind of, um, 
of, of, a of great, power that's there. Or sure, of a, of a great sort of, uh, a great aggregation of wealth, right? Um, yeah, that there's friv- there's frivolity camouflage, right? That 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 is, you know, oh, I'm so fancy that you are not going to notice that I am running this shit. I sure, sure, um, sure. I you know, it's funny. Like living in LA, I'm aware of of something that I that I kind of identify as a as a gnawing or growing insecurity um, about LA's. Uh, cultural primacy, right? Mm. Like for the in, for the entertainment industry, a lot of production is going to states where, or other countries where there are tax credits, and right. and believe it or not, not a lot of uh, like like all the big tentpole movies are are shot elsewhere, uh, you know. And if you sit through the credits, you'll see the the you know logos of the state film commissions that have uh, rebated them tens of millions of dollars in taxes in return for. Um, uh, in return for having a movie there, which, you know, turns out, uh, now that the phenomenon has been studied a little bit, is a terrible idea uh, economically, but which people people uh, still do, um, right? Like, and then the, the displacement of... Uh, of LA as a cultural um, powerhouse uh, by Silicon Valley, right? And, and the mm. idea that, like, sort of Netflix uh, is one of the Netflix is one of the biggest uh, biggest players in town. Um, so there, I, so I, I sort of, and the uh, and the uh, the music business, which I guess a lot of which is is still uh, sort of centered out here. I mean, this sort of uh, mainstream you know, globally influential music business, um, that is still, is still centered up here, but, but the the music business is a a shell of its former self, right? They've, they've been, um, the, the sort of Napster revolution, you know, came and, and, and bulldozed them. So, so there's, there's an idea. And, and I guess like from afar, I sort of, I have a sense of the same sort of discourse around Tokyo of sort of, of Japan, not being, not, not being quite what it once was as far as being an economic powerhouse, right. Uh, in terms of like auto production and in terms of, of economic growth and, you know, you, you know, some of the, the, um, money troubles that they've uh, the monetary i mean troubles that, that they've had there and stuff like um you know i don't know the 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 uh uh i ha- i i i and i'm not sure that this song is is engaging that because it's not i'm not sure it's that nuanced but but no in some ways i think that though it's like the 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 picture of la and tokyo for people who don't know any better um like um in that that i think this tension is interesting right that you know you have as having this experience of um living in in la you know don't feel um that you know you are on that cutting edge um but when i kind of hear la to tokyo it makes me think of spaceships for some reason <laughs> um, uh and and that it and and that it is this you know from 
Well, the, right, and that that the idea of the other the other half of this line is that I'm in the fast lane, right? So there's this there's this sense of of exuberant motion of going fast, but also of of cars, right? Of of going fast in a lane, in a you know uh, within the constraints of a lane, and in a in an expensive um, in an expensive car. I'm not sure. I think the traffic's pretty bad in in Tokyo. It's it's pretty awful in L.A. for that matter. But the you know I don't know the the idea idea um the idea of the of the fast lane uh i think i think it shed, shed some light on um what is desirable about uh about la and tokyo sort of i'm moving i'm moving very fast there's there's energy and exuberance and and um uh, you know, and these sort of ex- desirable qualities of of excitement and thrill and novelty uh, in my uh, in my in my fanciness, right? That's that's the kind of fanciness uh, that I have. Yeah, I think that that's um, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Well, unfortunately, we are on the fast lane to the end of this episode, um, and even though we, I feel like in some ways, just scraped the surface um, of of this album, um, I think we, you know, I think we covered a lot of what's there, even though we didn't get to go deep into as many of the songs that um, I, as I would have liked. Um, but we, um, if you have given this album um, a, a spin and have something to say about um, a many. Of the other interesting songs or uh, on fancy or work uh, which is what we kind of focused on um, uh, the most, um, you know, leave uh, a comment on the show notes at overthinkingit.com uh, or um, hit us up on Twitter at TFT Podcast, and we'll continue the conversation uh, there. Um, and uh, definitely check out uh, our um some of our supplementary sources and our uh, Spotify playlist. Um, and uh, we'll keep the conversation going because I think that this uh, album is not going anywhere. And I imagine we'll even hear a few more of these songs hit the, um, the airwaves. So the, at least the notional airwaves of, um, of the internet um, uh, sooner or later over the summer. And so as uh, all of these songs um, are coming to you through shares on Facebook and car, windows um and everywhere else we will still be here and we will still be the realist